The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Do you know how long ago it was that we did our very first passive income report? Not quite a year. How long? Maybe nine months. What month? What month do you think we started? I want to say it was like July. It was July, bro. Nice. Boom. So we're not there yet. We're not quite a year. Now, in July, what do you normally do? You go to the beach. That's right. It, you told me one time that you actually had a job at the beach, like working as like a fry cook or something. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I was just thinking about this because you were just at Panama City with your family. Yep. And that is where the 98 Diner was, by the way, is no longer with us. Is 98 Diner meaning that it was like 98 out of 100? No, that was that would have been that would have been an exaggeration um, <laughs> of the uh, health score. No, Highway ninety eight, Highway ninety eight. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so ninety eight diner, um, kind of a family owned deal. I was down at the beach for the entire summer with uh, Campus Outreach. Yeah, and you have to get a job as part of this uh, ministry um, kind of retreat, if you will, for the whole summer. It's like a training opportunity. So how do you how do you find ninety eight diner? Well, you just go out like the first day, basically, that you're down there. You go out as a group. You're all with all these different college students and you just go out and start talking to business about getting a job. And because of the nature of the way summer work is down there, people are always hiring short term. And so you're just trying to find something that fits within the schedule. So you walk in with a bunch of people into this place to get a job? Yeah, there was like eight of us. And did they like like choose you like cattle like is this back in like dodgeball where you're like i want this one and this one no you look puny no you look like you'll eat everything back there no no we were all we were a package deal oh you get everybody gets hired at once well in this case that was how we handled it. we all went in together we had some girls we had some guys so they were like hey we want to we want a waitress guys were like hey we'll we'll be cooks we'll be bus boys whatever you need to do you know, okay. It wasn't right. important. You, you weren't that picky. No, we were just like, we'll learn whatever. All right. So what did so you learn? I'm like, I get, and so he hires us and we go to work. I'm, I'm going to be a cook. And first of all, this was shocking because I had screwed up mac and cheese. Okay. At my house. I, I forgot to drain the noodles. You get to. My, my mom was like, Joey, what's wrong with this mac and cheese? I'm like, don't worry. It's going to cook off. You know, the, the, the liquid's got to cook off at some point. She's like, you didn't drain the noodles. Like, you, you didn't take the, the water off the noodles. You just no. threw the cheese in there on top of it? Yeah, it was just like a, a cheesy bath of, <laughs> of liquid I, on my noodles. The 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 mac and cheese, the, was, the cheese in a bag noodles is just bad anyway. It was it was badder than bad. I mean, it usually comes out in water. <laughs> <laughs> in this situation, you didn't get the water out ahead of time. No. no so, so, so that's my background. Coming into this, so you're like, I, I totally know how to cook you had to put me on the griddle <laughs> exactly okay so i have a lot to learn in a short amount of time how, how do they train you to cook first of all the the guy that owned 98 diner was a master i'm okay. talking 
he had the little the little milkshake machine there next to the grill where he was putting the eggs in okay to make it like super whipped up to make his omelets oh okay i thought you were saying he was like making milkshakes and scrambling eggs at the same time you're saying he was using the blender to blend the egg mixture for the The, for the omelets for the omelets i'm talking you never you never tasted a fluffier omelet okay it was crazy and he would and he was he was over there and he would just flip the eggs you know just no problem whatsoever i fouled up flipping eggs on a regular basis so, in the like, pan. So the, he just says, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do this, and he watches you for how long? Well, I watched him, first of all. For how and long? And then he would just watch. It was You're really just learning as you go. I mean, it, it was probably a good two or three days, four days of nonstop failures and learning, failures, learning, failures, learning. And then you start getting the hang of it. At, at what point in time did somebody on your team get fired? None of us got fired the whole summer. Oh, wow. That's pretty – eight out of eight? All of us were still there at the end of the summer. I can promise you if I had seven buddies, we would have not <laughs> We would have not all made it. <laughs> Those odds would have been against <laughs> you. That would have happened. All right, so, so – I mean, you're making pancakes. Okay. You're making bacon. Yep. Eggs, some sausage, whatever. All that is happening on this on the grill. So I was on the griddle. He was on the pants. Okay, so tell the, me, the owner. you, you got to connect the dots. Everybody's listening. Like, well, it's sort of interesting that the stallion uh, used to cook eggs. I mean, it has nothing to do with why I'm listening to the podcast today. But how would you connect you learning how to do all this stuff on the griddle at 98 Diner in Panama City 20-something years ago to our passive income report today? It's a stretch. But I will say, <laughs> I will say we had a lot of cool things going on all at the same time. And that's what I love about this passive income report. We get to share all those things. But you're, I'm looking at the griddle, and I got all these things, and you got to time them just right. You got to, you're learning as you go. I, I'm tying it to the fact that I had to fail forward. I mean, we talk about that in this month's passive income report. And um, and like I said, you got your hands in a, a bunch of different things at one time, very similar to what you and I are doing every single day. Okay. Well, will you I, give me that? I I I like it. And I, you know, I think for everybody else's purpose, like, okay, good, it's over. Let's let's get into <laughs> how much money did you guys make and what can you teach me from it? And that's what we're gonna do. Today's episode, the April 2021 passive income report. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street Podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the April 2021 Passive Income Report. Uh, every month, we, we know you look forward to hearing uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what these two rednecks from Alabama are doing in the passive income space. And uh, man, I feel like we had a, a fantastic month. Okay, so we made, it, we made some real progress. Is the report the good? I'm the bad and you're the ugly? Uh, how did I know that was going to blow up on me? I, I should I should have been ready for that. Well, I just couldn't. I couldn't be the good because, unfortunately, I'm too sinful to be good. Mm. 
But I think our report this month is absolutely good. No doubt. Just coming off the top rope from the very beginning, net income, 58234 for the month of April 2021. That is huge. Bring it in here for some knuckles. The little knuckles on that one. Yeah. If you did, if you weren't watching that live, we're giving each other nugs over here. Yeah. But, man, I, I feel like we finally hit some critical points in our short-term rental business, which that to me is a highlight. Um, secondly, the land business is a huge highlight. We had a, we, we kind of talked about that last month. We had a, a big acquisition that kind of threw us up a, a little bit higher on the board. Our, our Ethereum miners, we, we had been talking about that. We've been mining cryptocurrencies and we added some more miners as well as not anything that we had to do with it, but the price of it went up in the month of April. So that helped those numbers significantly. <laughs> Thank and, you, Elon. And then our, our community, right? You listening to what we're talking about, buying in on this process and concept, you've been taking action inside of the community within courses and masterminds and groups. And the beauty of that is I love to hear your success stories. They're constant. They're never ending. It's the joy to my day. Every time you share one of the things that you're doing, when somebody says, hey, I fired my boss today, I love all mm -hmm. of that. And the, just the the income that's coming from that is, is just a reflection of some of that value. But to me, the value is seeing those responses. So we need to go through all of these things, Stallion. That's right. We, we've got limited time today because we're actually being interviewed on another podcast here in about 40 minutes. Yeah, so let's get to it. That means you can't talk the whole time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was meant for yourself. But, all right, let's jump in. All right, I'm going well, to share the screen. Okay. So that way, if you are watching live, you can take advantage of this part of it. All right. All right, so at the top of the list is our land business. And if you, this is the first time you've heard us talk about it, we are literally flipping raw land, buying at a discount, significant discount, 20 to 30 cents on the dollar. And then turning around and marketing that property at a retail level for someone to be able to finance that almost like a car note to own land. And just for clarity, we are buying it at 20 to 30 percent of what it's valued at. Right. Not, the retail value. Not just getting a 20 to 30 percent discount. Okay, I, I don't know if I said that wrong. Well, no, I, I don't know how you said it, if it was right or wrong. I just was. You weren't just, listening. But. No, I was clarifying. Okay, okay, good. But so, and, and we, uh, we have a team that is running this for us right now. And just last month, they told us the good news that they just acquired an inventory of notes that put us up to $11,000. You're talking mortgagees, man. You got to remember, not everybody was a stinking mortgage officer for 11 years. They don't understand. When you say notes, you pass the notes like our daughters pass to no, each other? like, yes, Is this maybe. the DPS, the Daddy Postal Service going on here? No, no, that is not. Uh, this actually pays us money, not... So a uh, note <laughs> is a promissory note, right? A, That's right. A note to pay back. We went and bought a book of business that someone else had already bought the land, sold the land, have people paying them. We went and gave them cash, cash that we've been getting from our, our, our other sales and decided to buy that and in turn got how much money? It was like $3,200 a month. In cash flow in coming cash back. Flow. Immediate. Yeah. Like, exactly. boom. We don't even have to go buy the land. We don't have to sell the land. And it's already done. That's right. That's right. And so that, that addition of those $3,200 took our passive income from our land business to over $11,000 a month. Now, 
we get to keep 70% of that. So what you see reported here is $7,700 a month coming in passively. So our land business, and everybody loves to ask us the question, how do I get involved with this done-for-you model? Like you guys are sharing a concept that I, I want to be able to do, and we're really close, Joseph, Yes, to rolling out the Passive Income Mastermind. And that's where, for those of the people who are participating in that, we'll allow you uh, to get access to our kind of black book of contacts, the people that we are going to and using for all of these things. I love it when you ask me these questions. I love it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> but How did I know you're going to say that. That is but, a, that's a shame. That's not something that we can share in emails, in Facebook messengers, in direct message on the app. We just cannot do that because there's legal things that prevent us from doing that. So we are creating an opportunity through a passive income mastermind that we will be rolling out a little bit later in the year. If you're interested in that, we'll get you the details so you can see. But if you want to just get into the land flipping business, I totally encourage you right now to go to thelandgeek.com. That's right. I, I, I didn't know if you were going to give me the .com, so I threw it in at the same time. And, and get in touch with those guys. They can teach you not only how to do this yourself, but then ultimately to hand that off to someone else. And I, we love Mark Podolsky. We love his team. They have been amazing to our business, and we always say land flipping and IBC is like peanut butter and jelly. So get sticky with it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Now, now wait, you, you forgot one piece. Did I? Yes, because not only do we have the passive money coming from these uh, the note portfolio we've built, we also have some people that just pay cash, cash money for for lots. And in this case, uh, last month we had somebody pay us nineteen oh five one thousand nine hundred five dollars for a lot or a piece of land that costs us about $1,000. Okay, so we made 1905 and it cost us $1,000. I need to update our, our sheet because it cost us money to buy that piece of property. Ah, okay, yeah. You know, that I shouldn't be in charge of spreadsheet for sure. No, heck no. Yeah. This is an absolute no. Not to mention our spreadsheet's not even updating the way it should be. Mm. This is so bad. We're literally doing this live. Exactly. Well, I just, I like to have my stuff right. Keep going. All right. So, but just to just to let you know, the good news is is that extra nineteen oh five gets added in as income because we're gonna count that as income. The the additional cash sale. And some months we have a lot more. Some months we have less. So this was a, a lower month on the cash sale, but uh, higher on the passive. So we're really excited about that. Now let's move. So Iron City calf. Please love with those calves grow up, <laughs> grow up and run off. And become big calves, big cows, and be sold. You didn't actually put. We had expense, I believe, in the month of April. Uh okay. I was looking at the account, bro. We wrote checks for some purpose of calves. Okay. Well, here's here's the latest update. What happens with that? I, I, explain that to me and to everybody else at the same time, because I've still been trying to figure out why in the crap you and I are in the cattle business when the only boots the stallion owns are a pair of like water boots, like. <laughs> You remember when you were like 14 and you bought those little rubber, what was those boots called? What are you talking about? Those little duck boots that you were wearing. They're style. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sperry's maybe? or Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just remember like we called them duck boots, but that's probably not the name of it. Not anything cool like big rubber boots that you got in the mud in. I, like These are like these little bitty cute boots that you used, used to see people wearing back in the day. Like take it back to the early 90s. That's the stallion and a pair of mom jeans. 
out there walking around an auction. <laughs> Tell me I'm not right. Mom jeans? Come on. Dude, come on. Dude, they were. I'm totally sorry they're not jeans. tailored. No. You know, tailored to, to my butt cheeks. Exactly. Okay? Get you a pair of tailored sorry. jeans. Because the, the you here's the thing. You wear the old mom jeans. The new mom jeans? Tell me when you you know this. You're listening to this, mom. You you are not wearing mom square pant jeans, right? You're wearing the tight fitting, they stretch the stretchy pants. The jeggings? The what? The jeggings, the jeans that are leggings? Sorta. Of. Yeah. Or okay. I, I'm not saying like they, they have to be uh, that model, but they are stretchy. Look, and, my, and so they fit. Mine are relaxed fit, okay? Relaxed fit because you're out there with all these cattle. You don't know if you need to run. I mean, come on. I had, to, had a little run in with Anvil, our, our bull. Right, well, so. well, talk to me about what's, okay. what are we spending money on and when is that crap going to turn into cash? Okay, here's the deal. We just had a whole crop of new crop embryo transfer calves that were born. We had to buy back from the breeder, essentially, who was, who's been holding these calves, growing them up to a certain age before we could take them back. And so now we're, we're starting that process of roughly nine months to a year to before we can sell them for a significant profit. And so anyways, point being, I talked to our, our operator partner the other day and he was like, man, I pulled out the notebook where you and I were going through the numbers, trying to figure this out. And he said, uh, you know, we were a little bit off on think how profitable this could be. But guess what? We tried something. Here's the thing, Russ. At the end of the day, this is the, this is the kind of story that you need to hear from us because it's not all sunshine and roses. In fact, it is learning as you trip up, as you fail, we're failing forward. And we realize, okay, that's not. It's not sunshine and roses, Joey. It is stinking cow patties and mushrooms. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you. But, but here's the thing. You need to hear that because you need to go through some of those things yourself. Because what do you do? You learn and no, you grow. No, actually, here, here's what we didn't have then that we have now, which is the investor DNA. Mm. That question was asked yesterday in the community. What is the investor DNA? Because somebody was saying, I just went through the investor DNA. Now I'm working through that process, understanding myself and applying that to the passive income ideas that I want to pursue. And somebody else is like, I don't know what the investor DNA is. The investor DNA is a tool that we've been able to create that analyzes your personality, then takes that and profiles it against different passive income streams that Joey and I are participating in. So we've taken the pros, the cons, the key factors, the, the time element, the money element, the, the, the amount of training that you may or may not need to participate in that. We broke it down into this course. You and I didn't have that. What was exciting to me about the, the Iron City Cattle is that it was something different, right? That eye profile of mine was yep. like super interested. The inability though to influence the outcome is what I don't like about it. And had I really kind of gone through the lens of what I would not like about being in that business, it would have way outweighed the exciting part of me getting to go uh, watch you and mom jeans and a pair of duck boots <laughs> and listening to some guy talk super fast at the auction you're talking about. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I, I agree. And I think the other part is to me, just knowing my kind of personal investor DNA is the amount of variables that can go wrong in this business is huge. It's tremendous. The, the actually the cattle could die even at a point where you got them up to, man, they're going to sell for X amount and literally something could happen and they could go lame. I mean, there's the, the cost of, of what the market will hold could, could vary tremendously in a short amount of time because of things that have nothing to do with us, how we did in terms of raising that calf or the, the type of feed or whatever it was like, there's so many other variables that you just can't control. I, I hate that part of this. Hey, Stallion, is it okay if I uh, keep everybody from running off the road right now as they fell asleep during that monologue? Dude, like nobody cares about Iron City cattle. I don't even care about the thing. All I know is I'm looking at a check that we wrote as a company, as a group, and we own about 40% of the business for seventy three sixty seven, and it said for nine ET cash. Yeah, I watched the movie E.T. when I was a kid. I don't. What the crap is E.T.? What's that mean? Embryo transfer. Embryo. Em, say that again. Embryo transfer. And even a redneck can come up with that. That's right. But but here's the deal. That is, it was an expense. I didn't realize it hit in April. I thought that was this month. But um, but yeah. So that is an expense to us, and we don't have. Here's the other part I don't like about this. There's no passive cash flow coming. It's like flipping a house. Like some people would say flipping houses are very profitable. We're flipping cows. We're flipping cows. Most people flip cows when yeah. they're drunk <laughs> and they're living in a small town. They got nothing else to do. Yeah, that's, that's not. So ultimately what's going to happen is these nine cows calves are going to grow up and to be big cows and we're going to put them on the chopping block. Well, not the chopping block, the trading the, block that we're going to yes, put them up gonna, in free agency. Yeah, I mean, we're not just making beef here. Come on. But we're going to sell them. And when we sell these nine calves, Joey, do I put money in my pocket and I walk away? That's right. And I get to put that on the board as income? That's right. Okay. Any more expenses going to come that I don't know about over the next however many months? Just make. Uh, there's going to be some feed bills coming. Yeah, for sure. Son. Yeah. It, it's it's not been good for us. Okay. okay? Screw that business. I don't want to talk about that business anymore. I want right. to talk about Wake Up in Birmingham, which if you're traveling to Birmingham, please for the love, do not call me. Do not text me. Do not email me and say, hey, by the way, you came through Birmingham. I'm staying at the Tutwiler. Like, what? No, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Mm. I, we had somebody who told me that the other day. Thankfully, I saved them. I saved them from making that mistake. I was like, no, you don't want to stay there. You want to stay in one of our units right around the corner, which is so much nicer, so much bigger. If you want to, you can cook your own meal. And you got a view of downtown and you don't have to worry about getting robbed um, in the elevator on the way up. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's wakeupinbirmingham.com. Go check it out. And we have somebody who in the community said, hey, I'm coming through Birmingham. I want to stay in one of your units. How do I do that? We got them the link. If you're booking it more than 45 days out, let us know because we literally don't allow that to happen on our on our site. So if you're coming through and you want to let us know, so, because that person, we're going to do something special for them and make something and make sure there's something really cool from the Westwatt Wall Street team in the rooms. We love for you. If you want to come um, stay in Birmingham, please go to wealth, uh, go to wakeupinbirmingham.com. Um, and in the, in the little discount code, you can put podcast. And that way our operator will know and he'll also let us know so we can put something cool in the room for you. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas 
get exposure to new ones and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you. Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. Joey, income for the month of April, we brought in $46,281. Our expenses were a little over 30 something thousand. I I got those two columns broken up because we have expenses for the unit. We also have expenses to manage the unit because we are not doing that ourselves. We're handing that off to our operator. So he gets paid to manage that. So our net income from our short-term rental business last month was $12,985. Man, that is great news. Okay. So doing the math and I, I had it on a different report. You remember we have 26 bedrooms. Is that right? That's right. So if you took that amount, divided it by uh, 26, that gives us right at $500 a month is what our net is for running that business. Which is what we've been saying in our our STR mastermind is that you should expect at least $500 a month on average. Now, granted, that's an average. There's going to be some lean months, which you've already heard us in the winter and um, late fall type of timeframes that those things do not always even out to that. So but May is going to be super good. Like, yeah. I, I believe like it's April was the first kind of, oh, it's getting better. Stinking May is like, it's, it's getting awesome. Yeah. It's shot off like a rocket. Okay. Sure. Let's talk about um, printing money. Yes. <laughs> we, we've got seven ATMs out there. It pays us $2,184 a month. Again, I know you're going to ask the question, how did you do that? Passive Income Mastermind, we'll let you know how that's going to happen. Moving forward. Yes. Crypto miners. Yes. Everybody and their brother right now is on crypto. Oh, my gosh. It is. It's kind of sad, to be honest. Would I, I heard somebody say it today, and I won't name names, but. They said, well, I made an investment. And I'm going to say, no, you didn't make an investment. You You speculated. You made a speculation. You speculated in something. Everybody's been watching this. And when you start getting the person cutting your hair, asking you questions about Dogecoin, uh, Dogecoin, however you pronounce it, like, (laughs) I don't know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, all that stuff, you know we got issues, right? Now, I, I believe that there is a lot of validity behind these currencies. I believe they truly are a currency. I believe prices are jumping all over the place because people are speculating into those currencies. People have speculated in the currencies forever, but I think there's a lot more influence behind a handful of people, right? Somebody gets on Saturday Night Live, they can make the thing go up or down. I think that that's crazy. Yeah. We are not speculating on the currency. We are literally performing a function. Our computers are performing the function, the transaction, no different than if you buy through PayPal. You go through Stripe. If you are at the uh, grocery store and they're running it through that credit card processor, there's a fee. That's what we are doing. We're running a business. Our business just happens to get paid in that currency. We can immediately transfer it to USD if we want to, right? That's right. Now. In the month of April, we brought in how much money? A little over twenty-four thousand. How between, much? Between the two of us. There you go. Yeah. And but we had expenses. Yeah. So the expenses, just so you know, to run these machines, it cost money for the power and then just oversight. We have a, a team up there that's maintaining it, making sure there's no uh, nothing kind of standing in the way of like the software side of this or whatever. And, and here's the interesting thing, because that came up about the power. 
you, there was some conversation about green energy and how Bitcoin miners and Ethereum miners and all this stuff, they're, they're using all this energy. And I think that was a part of why the, the market kind of reflected negatively toward uh, you know, the, the crypto space. They do use a lot of energy. Bitcoin uses like 25 times the amount of energy that Ethereum miners use. Mm. It's crazy the amount of energy it takes to mine Bitcoin. And you and I had some conversations last month around Bitcoin and its validity. You want to share any of that? Well, okay. So one, I want to thank um, a friend of mine from college who met with us, who has been in studying this for like the last, I don't know, 10 years. And the guy is just brilliant. I mean, Russ and I, you know, when Russ doesn't get to talk much, it's because he's in the presence of somebody way smarter than him. Um, wait Which, that that kind of just blew up on me because, dude, I'm, you're talking all the time with me. So how does that? <laughs> I'm always in the presence of somebody very much smarter than me. <laughs> it's just when they're talking about a subject matter that I can't even pretend to participate in is when I stay quiet. Yeah. So the the, the whole point is this. Russ and I have been down this path thinking we're trading Ethereum dollars for USD, US dollars, because we want a passive income source every single month. Meaning that when we get paid from our machine in Ethereum coin, then we've just immediately at the end of the month taken it and turned it in for US dollars. Like sold it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when we met with him, what was his take? He said, wait a minute, you guys talk about the, the volatility of cryptocurrencies. He said, well, what about the volatility of the U.S. dollar? And we're like, what do you mean? He said, uh, have you ever heard of anything called inflation? Like the actual volatility of the U.S. dollar, it's diminishing so quickly. He said that you have to start thinking about cryptocurrency in the sense of this is the new way in which there's a global currency. And you're not trading, you're not selling off Ethereum to get U.S. dollars. You need to be trading as many of your declining dollars for an increasing, uh, whether it be Ethereum or Bitcoin or what have you. Well, what he's saying, I know you guys are trying to be like, dang, the stallion's struggling on cryptocurrency today. What? <laughs> Ethereum and Bitcoin are a currency just the same way the peso and the euro are a currency. We just don't travel to those countries as often, right? And we don't trade our U.S. dollars to get those currencies and spend dollars as the way we think of how we would use crypto. And because crypto is not accepted as payment, but in a very few small areas. But the point is, is that it probably will be. And there's a lot of conversation on this. I listened to an episode on the Rich Dad Poor Dad podcast, and they were talking about this. They yes. were talking about the, the idea of Gresham's Law is when bad money chases out good money. And bad money is all of these dollars being digitally printed by our U.S. Treasury and, and the Federal Reserve and interjected into our system in the form of all the stimulus in the trillions. Right. So, so what we're seeing is inflation happening in financial assets. So the cryptocurrency space, all this excess dollars goes and buys cryptocurrency. All these excess dollars are buying houses. All these excess dollars are going and buying the stock market. So we're seeing inflation not in the day-to-day -day stuff. We're seeing it in the financial markets where big money is going after. Because 
What do poor people do with money? They spend it. They spend it. 100%. What do the wealthy do with money? They invest it. That's right. Right? It, this is the mindset. We we literally talk about mindset. You have to understand and think and act like an investor. Quit acting like everybody around you that spends money. The government wants to give you money to, they say, to spend it. No, we want to figure out ways to create more. And so the government is creating more fiat currency, which is paper money, which is not backed by anything. The crypto market is backed by smart contracts, technical indicators, things that I can't even explain because it's way past my intellect. So you and I now started in the month of April looking at this a little bit different. We learned, hey, by the way, did you know that you can also earn interest on your crypto? Yes, through BlockFi and other channels like that. You can actually park your crypto with them, and then they act almost like a bank. They are. They're basically a crypto bank. Exactly. And they're taking those deposits and lending them out and making the difference. But they're willing to, to pay you, it, like for, for Bitcoin, for instance, it's 5% um, compound interest annually or 4.5% on Ethereum. Which we did that. I mean, I'm not going to tell you about the, you know, um, cents, <laughs> the dollars, the, the stacking up dollar bills that I made in the month of April because I just transferred a, a really small amount of money over there because we had literally been trading cryptocurrency for U.S. dollars every month and not holding it. We were thinking about this a little bit differently. We were thinking about this as a currency. Well, what currency do you want to hold? Do you want to hold a currency that is holding this value, potentially going up in value, or do you want to hold a currency that's going down in value? In the U.S. dollar, you can go look at the Federal Reserve. They have a, a statement that has proved we want to devalue the dollar 90 to 95%. They are, they are literally decreasing the value of the dollar every single day. That is their objective. That is their goal. They stated it's not hidden. So which currency do you want to own? One that is going up in value or at least staying stable or one that's going down? I know when you see cryptocurrencies, you see it as, oh, wow, it's super volatile. But think about the fact that there's other things going on. So for me, Joey, for the dollars that we're storing, the dollars that I'm going to use at a later date, I don't want to keep holding these fiat dollars. So I've changed my mindset in that. And so we're, instead of selling Ethereum every month, we're taking those and, and putting it on BlockFi, earning interest on it. And then if we want to use it, we can borrow against it, right? Very yes. similar to what we do with them in the banking. I think that that's a really cool idea. So that's something that uh, we're sharing for the first time that we haven't shared. All right. We've got to get down. Uh, we've got some property. Um, some. Uh, I would love to tell you good news of what's happening in the apartment complex owned in South Carolina. Not not so good yet. Still, Still on hold. Still on hold. Waiting for a sale. Waiting on a sale. And unfortunately, the sale that we had fell through. Ah, so that no sale good. has been postponed. Now we got your condo that we're renting out from Wake Up in Birmingham. Yep. So it, still holding strong. $115 there just net. Um, it, it, but but here's, the, here's the other part of this. Got an assessment coming, which I think we talked about last month. But... Um, that's going to be expense that I'm going to have to put on here next well, month. I, one of the things I noticed in here is that your stinking oven went out in our unit. Did that happen last month, didn't it? No. Well, I guess so. Well, my income will be down in May. That was my May payment. Okay, so we're just going to take it out of your payment. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm just, yeah. just trying to keep you honest right here, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the oven went out. Man, that's that stinks. I forgot about that. How long have you had that unit? 
15 years. Okay, so it's at least 15 years old. We'll take it. All right, and then the community, as we mentioned before, this is where when you guys sign up for masterminds, groups, courses, take the investor DNA, join the inner circle so you can participate in live discussions. You can ask questions of our coaches every single week. That revenue shows up here as well as we also have sponsors who uh, thankfully help us uh, pay the bills around here because this community is not free. We spend $30,000 a year just in the cost of the software, not to include all the labor hours and everything else that goes into that. So we showed a net in the month of April of a little over $12,000. That's awesome. That really is cool. All right. So we got to wrap this thing up, Stallion. You and now, I now hold up. have to share something People are wondering. with somebody else here in a second. People are wondering. 100 unicorns. What's, right. the, what's the story? The story is... Because at the end of March, I was supposed to make a decision. Am I going to keep it or am I going am I going to sell it? And what I decided to do was we're going to find an Amazon business to purchase that I can use the products from 100 Unicorns to be sold through that Amazon business. Because I personally just have figured out I don't have the bandwidth. If I had gone back to the investor DNA and realized I'm not an operator, I can't be an operator in this business then I never would have purchased it and done what I was thinking I was going to do. Um, so as of right now, it's on hold. It's not making any money. It's not losing any money. It's just kind of on hold. But I, my hope is to revive it. All right, let's, let's talk about that because we actually have been exploring buying an e-commerce business, one that sells its products primarily on Amazon. If you don't yeah, already private know, label stuff. If you, if you don't know, Amazon is one of the largest sellers in the world, right? Sure. They're going up at like 40% every single year in revenue. And we have been looking at ways to create products, have a private label, not the, not the arbitrage. There are people that do that, but there's also lots of people that get burned in that model. We're, we're talking about creating products having a business, those products are ours. They're not being resold from some other company. And we were really close. We actually spent mm, about 60 days in due diligence on a company. And we learned a lot in that process of acquiring because it was a little over almost a million five uh, acquisition cost to buy this business. And we were super close to pulling the trigger. Any any thoughts you want to share? Lessons learned? Obviously, we don't have to go super deep in the details. The deal fell apart. We ultimately didn't get the uh, the company. But there were some lessons I felt like would be valuable to somebody who's thinking about buying a business that maybe could use, uh, could borrow off the experience that we had. Yeah. So just a couple of thoughts that I have. Number one, I, I think we did a good job of applying our investor DNA like profiles to the purchase. When it came down to it, there was a, a discussion with the current owner and we said, look, we're not operators. We're not people that need to be at the helm of something we don't know that much about, like the inner workings of an Amazon business per se, sourcing products, all those sort of things. Like those are all things on a list of things we, we know nothing about. And when we approached the, the owner, he just wanted to sell it outright. And we said, we're not interested unless you continue on, at least in some small percentage ownership. So one, I'm put a check mark next to that and say, we did a great job of making that decision based on knowing ourselves. So we went in from the beginning saying, if we're going to buy this company, the current owner needs to stay on to run the business. So in order to do that, 
because we watched enough of the prophet Marcus Simonis back in the day, right? Yes. Is that whoever the key player in the business is need to have ownership in the business. So we said, we're not going to buy 100% of the business. We're going to buy 80% of it. Yeah. So I, I think that was a win. What about you? Okay. What else? I mean, so from another lesson that we learned in that part is that when we actually came about it as we were going to buy 80% of the business, here was something that was invaluable. One of our mentors who's bought and sold numerous businesses, when he was looking over our letter of intent, he said, wait a second, you don't want to buy 80% of the business. You actually want to buy 100% of the business and let give that owner 20% of it. And here's why. It's because you want the current business that they have to end when you purchase it. So any liabilities, any issues that have to have to do with that company end in the business that you're buying. So you're not buying um, the, the stock in that business. You're buying the assets from that business. You're actually starting a new company. And you want him to have to have buy tail insurance, a type of liability insurance to protect any, any claims, any liabilities that come to people after the fact toward that. I thought that was really, really cool. That was something that I had not considered and something that I thought, well, man, if we bought a business, we would definitely not want to bring on any liabilities from the previous company. Yeah, no, that's huge. Now, I think the lesson on the negative side for me was just because it was a good thing for us to keep that person on, I think they just naturally did not want to be a part of it. They said they would, but I think when the right buyer came and offered to buy it outright, they jumped at it because they really didn't want to be held down by the business. And so anyway, well, I, good, I good for them. Good for court. them. I don't think that helps anybody here, but I, I here, here's one. Yeah. Here's another lesson. Let's, I'm just trying to give lessons stallion. Like you're like talking about why he didn't want to buy it. I don't give a crap. Like he didn't want to buy it. I'm talking about what, what did we learn on this thing? What, what, what did we learn here? Is that also we learned that we were one of the things, the reason he didn't buy it because we didn't offer all cash. Hmm. That's true. And he said the other person not only wanted to buy it outright, they gave him all cash. Yep. I, we did not want to give him all cash. Right. That, we was, wanted that would him, have been super expensive. We wanted him to have hold a seller note on the deal. Which, I mean, here's hats off to um, Jeff Stevens and the guys that are teaching creative finance. We learned through that whole process. Man, there's a lot of benefit in leveraging owner financing. Why don't we apply it to this business too? Not just real estate. I, I think everything you should consider. And I, I'm going to give a tip out that I learned the other day. I was um, watching Pace Morby. We've had him on the show. An amazing um, creative finance guy. If you're not already following his stuff, you ought to. But he said this because he's in the sub two world. When you, you buy a house subject to taking over their mortgage, right? So you don't have to get your own mortgage. You use their mortgage. You pay, make their payments. He made a clarification, though, that was was not clear in my mind in the seller finance world and the subject to world. He said people who are in the subject to world have pain. There is a need to get out of the house that they're in or the business that they're in. They have a pain in the seller finance world. They have a gain. The reason they will give you owner financing on the house, the business, whatever it is, because they have equity to a large number and they don't want to have to pay all the taxes at once. So we were providing this, this owner the ability not only to stay in the deal and reap the, the benefits of any growth as a 20% owner, we also were giving him the ability not to have to pay tax 100% all at once. I think he's short-sighted in his model. I don't think he's, he, he gets the whole deal, but that's the beauty of it. You own your own business, you can sell your own business, do it any way you want to. 
For our part, though, I feel like the way we figured out how to go through the letter of intent, how to make offers under seller finance are going to be invaluable because we will be buying a business. We will be buying an e-commerce business sometime. I don't know when. We're going to keep searching. We're going to keep trying to find the one that's right. We may even start one from scratch. Yeah, I, I don't know if we'll do that. No, I think there's a decent chance. Okay. I, hadn't, I hadn't let you in on some of the conversations oh, okay. I've been having about that. <laughs> uh, at least, I mean, hey, look, dude, if you don't want to do it, don't worry about it. I'll just put it on the board up here with the other Ethereum miners where it says 19000 for Russ, oh, 4800 for man. Joey. I'll just put e-commerce business, you know, whatever that number is for me, and we'll just keep that zero next to Joey's name. Dang. Okay. Uh, you know I'm not going to miss out. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode as we – talked your head off as as I beat Joey up and I think you undercut me a couple of times. But the whole point to this is that passive income greater than your monthly expenses, that's the way to financial freedom. It's not how much Dogecoin can you buy and sell it for a gain, you know, two and a half weeks later when all your buddies at work are talking about it. That's speculation, just like the stock market. Freedom is when you know that you can pay the monthly expenses every single month into perpetuity. That's eternal wealth. That's infinite wealth for one of our buddies who's, on the, um, who's watching live. He's got a company like that. We appreciate you. Thank you, as always, for watching. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.